Welcome to the lockdown version of the Collingwood Rant. I'm Sly. And I am lockdown, deja vu. I've seen it all before. It's happening again. Uh, I wish it had stopped, Spook. Ironically, all those statements you just made could apply to Collingwood's game plan. That's all I'm thinking about these days. I'm glad someone is. Well, how good was that game? On a scale of shit to shit? Yeah, how good was it? I think it's a um, it's a special brand of uniqueness at the moment that makes a game of football that fucking boring to watch. And I can't lay the blame squarely at Collingwood's feet here. Geelong were equally as boring. Everything about the game was boring. Even the boring bits were, um, were boring. I think, though, if Geelong had kicked a little bit accurately, they probably would have broke the game open and, and we would have capitulated. But do you, think, um, do you think they were treating us with a bit of contempt there? They weren't going 100%. Right, they so, knew they didn't have to. Well, some scuttlebutt emerged on the interwebs today that a former Collingwood player who played under Buckles and is now at another club said, opposition clubs are happy for Collingwood to dominate possession because they know it doesn't translate into score. And that's pretty much what we've seen that's, a lot under Buckles under, outside of 2018. That's some amazing insight, really, isn't it? But it's just, you think about, like, if you're an opposition coach and you look at Collingwood and go, well, what do they average? About 10 goals. Uh, over how many games? <laughs> you know, there's, they've had a couple where, you know, like against Carlton where they played well. But generally, we're kicking around 55 points or something. So you'd have to think if you were Geelong or North Melbourne or, you know, um, Montmorency under 18s, you'd be in the, the chance of kicking somewhere between 12 and 16 goals against Collingwood. A quarter? Oh, just about. You know, and you... It, the, the ironic thing is, I mean, Buckle's game plan is all about defensiveness and the negation, and yet you're still letting through goals, and you're letting them through relatively easy. I mean, like I said, I mean, Geelong, it's just lucky that Geelong were just pretty inaccurate. I know we're, we were inaccurate, but I think we're also inaccurate because... It's just the style we play. It just taxes the players. And by the time they get to the other end of the ground, it's what, 50, 60 kicks later. And everyone's exhausted, so no one can kick straight. You know, again, if you wanted to have a textbook example of where these players are devoid of confidence um, and just stop and look for that sideways option, this is a perfect fucking example of it. Well, a good thing now is the media is actually starting to pick on him. So Dale Thomas called, what, the spectacle putrid? Um, <laughs> is that because he can't swear? Yeah, he, he was on the Heater and Daisy show, or the hell it's called. You know, the show that copied us. Um, let, me, let, let me do it for you, Daisy. It was fucking putrid. Uh, ben Johnson in the Age talked about like they need a change to their football program, which is a very polite way of, I think, saying they suck. Uh, I think it was Jonathan Brown said it's a real paranoid style of football. Kane Corns is picking at it now and he's defended Buckley. He was the one that said, oh, you know, why do we get rid of coaches too quickly? And it's like, well, this is the reason, Kane. And Matthew Lloyd's probably been the one constant who's sort of said, hey, well, look, you haven't gotten anywhere with this guy for 10 years. And he, I saw him on the Sunday footy show where they were talking about the way Collingwood played and he was just... The really good thing with Lloyd was like, you know, well, Collingwood came back at the end and that sort of shit. And Lloyd just goes, well, you know, I think by then the game was done, so... Who really cares? Uh, so the media are now finally starting to pick 
at the, I won't say the carcass because it's still alive, but just found a pick at the thrashing, mortally wounded corpse that's Collingwood and saying, hang on a second, this guy may just not have any fucking idea what he's doing, even though he's been there 10 years. The amazing thing is with, uh, and look, I think I've probably referred to it over a number of years, it's the amazing uh, ability of his Teflonness to deflect a lot of this stuff. And it's just staggering that at this point now, when where we're ebbing at a near low, we just don't get blown away. I'm, I'm like each week I'm almost thinking, yeah, there's going to be a chance that this is the coach killer game where the margin is fucking enormous. 80 points. Let's call it 80 points off the top of my head. It's I've... just amazing. They, they're just not really collect. And I, I probably don't understand why that's the case. It's, why you actually find a little bit of desire to, to come back, but you sort of know it's futile. Well, that's what it's we strange. talked about last week though. It's I think once they get backed into a corner and it's like, well, hang on, we can't chip it around for four hours. Now we do need to get some scores. Some of the players start taking the game on. I mean, they don't always do it. You know, you, you go back to that um, game a couple of weeks ago against Port where they needed to score a goal in the last couple of minutes and they're still going across the ground. But I think generally what happens is once all options are taken away from it, from them, they start looking at risk and urgency and trying to score quickly. And that's what opens up the game for them. It's insanity that in 2018, they generally play that style consistently mm. and it got them to a grand final and they've abandoned it. It's either like Buckles has said, well, that's not getting credit to me. So I'm not going to use it because otherwise people are going to say, well, this is all because of John Longmuir. I'm sorry. Justin Longmuir um, and him as well give him more yeah, credit yeah uh, you know so it's like I'm going to do it my way and you know it honestly feels and I'm sure I'm wrong but it honestly feels like the more the media is starting to dig in the more Buckles is saying fuck it you're going to see even more defensiveness you're going to see more across the ground it, it, it's, <laughs> you ain't it, seen nothing yet yeah, it, it's deteriorated like it was pretty bad for a couple of years but it, it's now getting, I shouldn't say it's now getting, but for, for the last month, it's been pretty unwatchable. And it's the theory, it's, it's amazing to think, hey, hang on, there's no flaw to this. This is still going down. This is still deteriorating. And the really awesome thing is you're actually losing players, which means you're now going to expose more youth to the side, which means there's going to be a greater deterioration in structure and all that sort of stuff. So it's going to get worse. Mm. You know, Grundy is now out. Um, they're saying Jamie Elliott might come back, which is I, I find that very hard to believe that he's ready after unless the, the break was like a real minor fracture or whatever. But geez, if he broke his leg clean through and he's back, you know, 10 weeks right later, I can't, I don't know how that's happened. That, that yeah, to me worries you, me that they've rushed him back. Just on that though, you, you've got the you look at you, you can understand in one respect the, the social media department, um flagging that as a positive you know he's a he's a fan favorite you know he would improve the side no matter what but jesus christ he's just come off a busted leg surely you have one or two games back through the vfl just to get you some run in in, in match-like conditions or even though in, in i don't think we're going to be having too many vfl games here while we're in lockdown 7.28 um so it's, it's one of those things where you you roll the dice you bring it back in and you risk what happened to to adams but then yeah you watch the um uh, the the Irish guy, what's his name? Um, so Tantaro Helpin did the um, um, injury report. And it was like 
if you watch something and you and you, and you think, well, you're there to report um, a little bit of a story, and then you move on to the next one. They focus so long on the fact that that injury was to an area about two centimeters left of his original injury on the same knee to try and put some spin around it. And you're watching it going, oh my god, this is what it's come to. That you you can't even concede you made a mistake in rushing someone back. And yet at the same time, you, you're now promoting Elliot as a great white hope to come back. There is no great white hopes this year. You know, don't fucking put these players through, through this shit, bring them back through the right channels, get some run into them. Even if they're paying for Montmorency for three weeks, just do it right. Oh, don't look, fucking kill their careers. I mean, obviously we don't know what their condition is like, but, you're not going to be playing finals, so why? No, What's, the What's the rush? What's the rush? I mean, it's like you're clutching at straws to generate excitement at the moment, and fuck, there is no excitement. Oh, look, you know, if I was a hypothetical person, I would say they rushed Adams back because they thought this game is winnable. Port at the MCG, yep. it's winnable. Absolutely. Let's bring him in. Let's mollify the supporters. Let's try and dampen the enthusiasm for that petition that was going on. Let's get a win here. It'll do something for us politically. And then we'll just, you know, say Adams tweaked the hamstring and take him out for a couple of weeks or whatever. And I think they, if I was a hypothetical person, I, I, I think that was like a calculated risk they took. And either it didn't come off and Adams was re-injured or injured in a new area, or Adams just played through it and just said, fuck me, this is a lot worse than I realised. And even though I got 27 possessions, um, I'm struggling, I can't do this again. But I don't understand any urgency now this season where you know, it hasn't looked like we're going to... When's the last time it looked like we are going to win a game? I mean, even those games where we were four goals up like against Port, it was just like, well, it's just a matter of time before they overhaul us, because that's pretty oh, that's much what we do. The pattern's there to be seen every week. You, you have no faith when they do get ahead that they're going to be able to um, sustain it for the rest of the game. It's so, What's happening now is antagonising a huge section of the supporter base. And the sheep seem to be falling quieter. I mean, you still have, you sent me a tweet where someone's going, oh, well, we only lost by 10 points and one point to Brisbane and one point to Port Adelaide and you know, all these near losses, we're not that far away. And it's like, outside of that fanatically zealous, moronic group who just believes, hey, even though we're third last and only got two wins for the year, we're actually tracking okay. Um, most people are turning against the coaching staff, the game plan, and just the club in general, and just sort of saying, how the fuck have you gotten here? And why... Are you so um, inactive in addressing it? It, it? It's the worst I've seen Collingwood play. And like I recall in 2005, when Malthouse was rebuilding, we lost by 100 points a couple of times. And I still think we played a lot better than what we're seeing today. Just because the margins are smaller, it's like you don't feel like they're ever actually in with a winning chance. It just always feels like, oh, well, it's going to be a two-free goal margin but the way we play two or three goals is like 10 to 12 goals so i don't know it's it's uh, fucking painful to watch and it's really painful to endure any speculation that they're going to retain buckley or re-sign buckley for you know however long totally agree and then like i was watching the game thinking you know is it is it geelong and i said at the start do you think they they treat us with contempt um, it's either that or it's just that we're actually dragging sides down to our level. And that's why the margins just aren't blowing out. You know, it, it's 
are we that bad that we I think we are that bad. The one thing though, in terms of um, you know, in this mire of shit that we're being subjected to, is you're still getting a few highlights. So Trent Bianco, what do you think of his debut? Yeah, that was really um encouraging. Like um he, he didn't look lost, he looked like he belonged. Um, one of my concerns going into into the game, and I didn't really get a good gauge because um that shit that you get under your fingernails that um, you try and pick out with a toothpick was more interesting than watching the game completely um, was my I, I had this idea in my head from watching I think a couple of VFL games that his height was um, an issue but he didn't look Callum Brownish he's obviously not super tall but he looks like he's got a good sort of um, solid build around him and he knows where the ball is I mean the fact that you can come in and look you, there's no cutting it either way that's last year's grand finalist you're playing and uh you know you can come in there and be a little bit unchecked i guess as a, as a newbie but he um he was he looked solid as a very solid debut you know it's very encouraging yeah the thing I, I liked most about his debut was that soccer kick that he went for goal um where he just sort of socketed it out of the air and it just i like that just simply because it shows that he's thinking quickly and he's got Natural instincts. So, I mean, give mm. give him two more years in the system. Buckle, and Fuck all the coach that out of him. Yeah. By, you know, by three more games, he'll be um, just stopping, propping, and looking sideways or going backwards. Oh, don't, I don't think he'll take three. Or, or linking up um, to Chris Mayne, where a lot of footballs go to die. <laughs> well, actually, that might. I reckon the last month, Mayne's been one of our more solid players. In... Nah, I'm only bagging him. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, you know, look, I'm not saying he's a match winner or anything, but just given what each of those players has to deal with, I think he's been relatively solid. Uh, the other guy who impressed me quite a bit was um, Sire. So about halfway through that game, second half, yep. I was saying, what the fuck has happened to this guy? And that second half, he just started showing some urgency. He started showing some physicality around the around the ground you know i recall i think it was one time he wrestled pendlebury for the ball like he wanted it so i thought he was um the pendle stick his finger down his throat he seems to be seems to enjoy doing that we'll get to that and of course the goey in the second half had a really good game in the midfield so i mean comes back to the age-old question is he a midfielder or forward do you do you you look at one game in isolation and, and declaring one over the other I think he's more valuable to Collingwood as a forward in terms of winning games. But given where this midfield is, they really need him to be... <laughs> that was going to be my counter. We don't have a midfield, so yeah. naturally you'd slot straight into that. But it's if you look at the, the composition of the midfield, so you have Adams, who's a great warrior, uh, but he's not... I wouldn't say he's in the elite midfielders. You know, he's probably just a step... Not He's a step below that. Mm-hmm. And... You get Pendles, who's obviously in twilight of his career. And then it just sort of falls off a cliff. And you really need the goalie to be the one who goes in there and becomes the elite midfielder. Because otherwise, we don't have one. I know Nick Dacos is coming in next year. But I mean, geez, he's 18. So we're going to expect him to carry the midfield from the moment he walks in. And then Uh, guys... At the moment, I think he could do it. Well, and in terms of like guys, you know, like Trelaw and... um, Stevenson, they would have been the next generation. And, and Phillips also would have, you know, he was a solid B to C grader in around the good midfielder. He would have gotten under the radar of a lot of clubs. So they really need some players to go through that midfield and take the next step. 
And the other thing too is the goal is just a big body, which mm. I would probably talk to him if I was coach. Sorry, if I was actually Graham Wright, because he seems to be the one who's going to hold a lot of those positions there, I would sit down and talk to him. I'd say, is this the club where you want to stay or are you looking to uh, take free agency? If you're going to take free agency, we'll trade you out at the end of the year. Or is there certain circumstances why you might or might not stay at the club? So Mm -hmm. if he's going to stay at the club, I would say, well, okay, I'm going to give the coach a directive. I don't give a fuck what the coach thinks because we're 2-9, so we're not going to impact any finals aspirations. I'm going to give the coach a directive. You are to play midfield the rest of the year so we can groom you for the midfield and fast track your development and get your endurance up. And you can learn about being a midfielder and come next year, you're going to spear your head out midfield as we try to, or as we begin on this rebuild. And yep. I know Graham Wright's not the one who should be making on-field decisions, but seriously, the, the, someone shape, of this, yeah, someone, the shape of this <laughs> side requires actual vision. And that's vision. It's, it's to say, okay, we're going to turn you into a midfielder. I don't give a fuck what the, the coach is coaching for now. I'm going to be making these decisions for the next four years. And that's why I want to lay the foundation down for. So I'd be talking to him. Um, and guys like Sidebottom and Dacre, I mean, I've said it before, I'd be playing them more on the wings. Sire, I'd be saying the same thing. I'd be saying, Raiden, we're going to cut you at the end of this year unless you find a reason for us to retain you. So fucking work it out. <laughs> Harsh but fair. But it's, it's... Look, Buckley's coaching for game after game. And I think they really now need to take the position of what does our site look like in three years when we start contending again, if everything goes right? And if we see in three years, we need the midfield to be the goalie, you know, um, Josh Dacos and whoever else is the case, then we're going to start playing these guys in there now and they're going to start developing now rather than playing for the moment, which means that we're playing the goalie more at full forward and stuff like that. And similarly, if you know, someone like Quayne, I'd push him up to the wing. You know, I'd be looking again at the future. We... We, 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 in my time following this club in the new millennium, I don't know why we just breed halfback flankers. So I have no doubt we'll cover Quainer out of halfback if he gets pushed up to the wing. Uh, Brody Grundy did his neck in a really with a Vulcan nerve pinch. <laughs> well, I think he got whiplash looking back and forth with the ball going from side to side. <laughs> It's every chance, isn't it? I mean, and, it's, a, it's, a, it's an unfortunate injury, that one. So, I mean, it looked pretty nasty at the time. I actually thought he did his wrist because he, um, the way he came down, he was clutching it. But obviously, um, and I think you pointed out too, that, um, that, that that sort of damage to that neck area can be quite elevated and prolonged. Um, it, it just didn't look good. No, I'd be really worried. Uh, neck injuries are sort of one of the few injuries where you go, well, hang on, that's now in the real danger area. And we have to be really careful with rehab. And it is the one thing that can probably impact the longevity of your career Mm. to the extent that it's like, look, I can play with it, but there's a danger spot in it. And if that's aggravated, I could end up with serious damage. So oh, that's, that's it. But on, on the good news front though, the, um, the club's come out and said he's only two to three weeks away. So it's all season done. It's season done. Yep. And you may not ever walk again after this weekend. There is um, one injury. It is not to a player. 
it is to everyone's eyes Nathan Buckley playing Jack Magden as a defensive full forward. Hang on a second. Did he play? He played as a defensive full forward. He was on the ground? Yeah. Was he? Uh-huh. I didn't realise. Sorry. I should have been paying more attention, obviously. So, well, I mean, obviously, Magnum, because um, we, we played him on the wing a couple of weeks ago and he dominated. I, I'm assuming then, and I'm, I might have fallen asleep during this part, he's, he kicked, what, five or six? I think the, fa- the thing here is it's insane. that It's like, okay, I've tried Cox more on the go you there. Fuck it. I'm just giving up the position. We're going to tag the fullback. <laughs> we are going to tag the opposition fullback. I think we need to take that guy out of the game. I think because um, uh, uh, Buckles, he, he's known for his innovation. I've heard that just quietly he's now doing the pin the tail on the donkey type approach to positioning. Um, so you put a blindfold on, you get spun around three times, and then there's a, a little uh, whiteboard of, of the field and wherever your little um, marker goes, that's where you get to play this week. I think he's going to shake up the competition. This, you, know, I, I, you mark my words. In 15 years' time, other clubs will be following his lead. Oh, great. <laughs> um, Three spins, that's your position. There's also rumours going around that, I mean, this has been going around for a while, but it's developing strength and something you believed in that a number of the players have cashed out of Buckley as a coach and um, in believing he can change and become a more attacking coach or just a coach that, you know, wants to kick a couple of goals. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next month, because if there's any truth to this, you know, it's just going to continue to unravel spectacularly until you start, you know, how long can the players keep this up in terms of trying to mitigate damage from the opposition and keep these margins relatively close. They're not playing the win. They're just playing to not lose by a lot. There was a report that, um, I don't know if it's true, but it came from SEN where they said Paul LeCuria is trying to take more charge of the football department. He wants Buckley out, but Graham Wright is contemplating retaining Buckley. Did we do any sort of um, mental assessment of Wright before we gave him the job? He hasn't taken a blow to their head that we weren't aware of or anything like that? Not as far as I'm aware of it. So he's, he's, we're assuming he's making irrational decisions here? What what is what do they see in this guy? Oh, I don't know. I look. I don't know. I, I think if you had to massage the 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 populace of Collingwood, you've got to be seen to be looking after a favourite son on the way out, and I think they're potentially maybe trying to do that by um, is feathering the nest. The right term or smoothing the waters, whatever it is. Um, I think they're trying to manage the exit gracefully and trying to deflect a lot of the, the, the talk that's out there. Um, that's the only thing I can come to, to terms with here. In, in, but how, but you, how is it graceful? You're positive, but, you're sending it? Positive, but you're sending positive messages saying, like, he's still in with a chance. I think he, you know, he's a good coach. You're actually buttering him up. But you're knowing you, you're going to institute a fall at some point. Spook, how do you... Spook, look, yeah, look. Let's, let's look at reality. Collingwood fans are voting with their feet. Not one single person attended that game well, on the weekend. <laughs> they, they, they've had enough. They've given up. <laughs> they have did not go to that game. And thank you to the Geelong fans who threw in their hat with our cause and said, no, we're not going to it either, or Buckley's coach. That ground was empty. I've never seen that at a football. People have obviously had enough. And the Collingwood <laughs> administration should look 
at that game and say, hey, we can't keep doing this. We you can hear a pin drop empty stadiums. Yeah, we can't keep having empty stadiums. You I know. think what happens next, I think they're going to schedule a game at, uh, at uh, Adelaide and they'll, they'll, they'll go and play at Football Park. Uh, let's see. That, that, yeah, that, 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 that joke didn't work because I fucked that up, didn't I? I, I don't know. I, I don't know it's uh, where they play now, um, Adelaide Oval, what's it called? Football the Park. SC, the ACG, Football I Park. I fuck Amy always, Stadium. All these grounds yeah. change names so often that it's just ridiculous. The, the, the joke was that uh, where they were going to play the game, they didn't turn up to. So just work it out. You can put your own field in there. It doesn't really matter. Well, they won't turn up. So there, you know, and can't, look, I, you know, we've been perusers of message boards for 24 years or something, whatever the hell. Oh, I'm going to correct you on this. It was 25 years. Okay. I have never seen such a groundswell of, negativity towards a single coach it's if you go back Buckley's had defenders they've most of them have jumped off I know there's still a few but most of them have jumped off if you go back during Maltese's tenure there was like always detractors but there's always defenders also predominantly people just want Buckley out there they want to see some change they want us to, you know, I think people would rather see us lose by 14 goals, but actually play a brand of football where they think, well, we're going somewhere with this, rather than playing this shit, dreary, sideways, defensive, negative, pessimistic. I don't know what it's fucking called. You know, you can't even call it football. I mean, people can't even fucking hit targets 10 feet, 15 meters away. So a lot of people have turned against Buckley. If you had a choice, would you just say, thanks for your service, we're going to go with Robert Harvey for the rest of the year? Now, there's two schools of thought that I um, not have cultivated, but this is also what other people's opinions as well, that um, someone of his ilk, and let's not talk about the coaching, um, his history of Collingwood, his ability as a player, deserves that sort of gracious exit where you like they did with Tony Shaw, you tap him on the shoulder now and you say, okay, well, no matter what, you see out the year, we're going to play the kids and there's no tomorrow for you. We're going to transition to a new coach. And I just dropped my pen. I was so shocked with that statement. Uh, secondly, though, is that the concern is if he stays, the damage he's going to do with that game style that he's playing, you can't continue with this and cultivate skills it's really just retarding the development of anyone who puts on a black and white jumper at the moment. And you've got to weigh up between those two options. What is the least damaging to move to that next phase? And I think at the moment, that's you've got to cut him loose now. I'm, I'm, I'm totally... Oh, look, I wanted this guy to coach and I loved him as, or love him as a player, but, geez, I just shown the door. And I'd be telling one of the assistants, preferably Robert Harvey, look, we're going to give you the gig for the rest of the year, but... We'll interview you for the job, but look, it's unlikely we're going to continue with anyone from the same um, coaching brains trust. We're going to go for, for a complete outsider and bring him in, unless Harvey won 10 games or something. But I look at, you know, Callum Brown's the one I always talk about. He was a lot better player in 18 and early 19. And slowly his instincts being grounded out of him, he's lost all confidence. He looks like he's constantly second and third and fourth guessing what his options should be. Whereas I thought he was generally uh, an actual playmaker where he got the ball and he tried to make something happen. He really looks like he has no fucking idea anymore what he's doing. And 
I can't put that down to him simply being not good enough because he seemed good enough in his first year or so. And obviously, obviously, just to put a bit more time into him, but I can't say that's the sole reason he's deteriorated to this extent. And the only thing I can think of is it's been coached out of him or he's been hmm. smothered and asphyxiated. And you look at other players and there was a, there's a bit of play um, where I can't remember if the goey rove the ball or whatever it was, but him and Cameron, Gary rove the ball, he turned and he was running to forward 50 and he had Darcy Cameron about three feet away from him, running with him. And he handled it to Darcy Cameron. And it's like, no, that's a player like the goey should be, you should be giving him license to say, you know what, mate, if I can run the 10 steps and have a shot from 50, that's your thing. You don't mm. handball it to a ruckman who's in no better position than you, than you. But it's obviously grounded into them that, hey, you need to pass it off as quickly as possible to maintain. What, what, I don't know what their, their methodology is or the justification for it. So I think get him out yeah, of it and get someone else yeah. in. I think it's, it's a case now that you've literally got 18 blokes in the field who are just terrified of fucking up. And so they're, they're just reverting back to rather than being held accountable for, for, a, for a decision that may or may not be right, I'll go to do what it is that we do at training, even though I probably internally know it's wrong and it's against every natural form of instinct I have, and I'll execute it because that's the least passive resistance for me to be chastised or abused or, or told that I'm doing the wrong thing. It's at that point where they're just completely broken and devoid of fucking any confidence. And every natural ability they got has been stymied. Yeah, I totally agree. And I don't know how long Colin is going to endure this. Like I said, I'm happy for him to just say thank you and give the job to Robert Harvey for the next 10 weeks um, if he wanted it. I can't see how this is going to improve. Um, and I think the environment is just now so uh, poisonous for the run of the better word. Tell me, Sly, what about the detractors out there in Twitter land, the ones that say that if you think that changing bucks is going to make a difference, you're kidding yourself? Well, in terms of this season or just in general? Just in general. Apparently that um, uh, getting rid of him won't uh, won't make any difference. Anyone else that's going to come in is going to just do an equally as bad job. He probably They probably will, but they will be building towards something. Okay, let's look at the rally. Like I said, I want this guy to coach. For two years, he had a premiership squad and they made a prelim in 212 playing the worst fucking football imaginable. And With um, 74 ACL injuries. Yep. And, you know, a lot of that I'm thinking is, oh, how much is that just the quality of the players are, uh, you know, that he had at his disposal? It's like, a, I think in 91 when Alan Joyce was ill and, uh, not sorry, Alan, Alan James was ill and Alan Joyce took coach uh, of Hawthorne and they won the flag. And Dermot Breton said, look, no disrespect to Alan Joyce, but we're pretty much on autopilot because we just knew our game back then. So you go to 2000. Some of Geelong in 11. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they modified it. I mean, it was talking about Colin, but 2013, we started to go in decline. 2014, 2015, I think we had good starts the year, then we just imploded. Um, 2016, we had a poor start to the year. 2017, again, another terrible year. So you got four years there, which are just terrible, terrible football. But we saw what we're seeing now. We're seeing that back then too. And every now and again, they'd get it together briefly and then they just implode. And you'd get that thing like you'd beat a top four side one week and he'd lose the Carlton who was in the bottom the following week. 218, they shot up the ladder. And at that time, I thought, well, okay, maybe this is what he's been building to. And he's finally got the players. They've got the experience and all that sort of stuff. He's got the right players in place. But 
you had Braden Maynard in 218 in the September article, or article published in September, mm-hmm. written by Jake, Jake Mel. He exclusively credited Justin Longmuir for setting him up properly. You know, his game before this, we didn't actually have a game plan. So he, it was Longmuir who implemented a structure that helped Collingwood play this game style. Buckley also stepped back quite a bit, you know, from all reports, he let his assistants do their jobs. Um, and then 219 onwards, he started to revert and Collingwood started to revert. So I think he put a different coach in. It might be shit for two years, but at least, you know, and, and obviously it could be the wrong person, but I think the wrong person's in charge anyway, but if you, it could be the wrong person. But if you get a coach in there who's, you know, good and is building towards something, then, hey, in three, four years, they will build a game style that we're going to enjoy watching and it's going to give us a chance of winning. You know, it's yep. no different to what Clarkson did at Hawthorne, what Luke Beveridge did at um, Bulldogs, what Damien Hardwick, and Damien Hardwick changed. So this is the thing that amazes me. Buckley changed for one year and reverted back. Hardwick changed and remained changed. And Richmond's enjoyed the excess. So... I've said it before, the, the biggest issue for me with Buckley is simply how do you not fucking learn after 10 years? Put me in that job and after 10 years, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be trying different things. I'm not going to be going, well, this hasn't worked for six years. I'm going to give it one more go and see how it goes. <laughs> Lucky seven. It's just, yeah, I, that's no, a, every coach needs to evolve to actually stay relevant in the game as it, as it evolves. You need to find an edge. Buckley has not tried a single different thing other than playing Jack Magnet full forward. That was probably not going to be the match-winning move that he might have hoped for. But what's he done? What's he brought to the game? What strategy has he brought to the game? I've no idea. You know, whereas, you know, Malthouse was a very defensive coach, very much into structures and roles and all that sort of stuff. But if you look at him, 207, he brought in the, the rotations. He was the one who implemented that because he watched ice hockey in the US and came back and thought, hey, imagine you ran the midfielders like this. In 210, you know, they pretty much ripped off St. Kilda's defensive zones, but they they um, elevated it to another level. So for a guy who is considered very intractable, Malthouse twice changed aspects of his game strategies to give, to find an edge for Collingwood. Buckley's been there for 10 years. Now, sort of 218, which is now accredited to Justin Longmuir for Braden Maynard and people like Matt Rendell, um, and even if you look at that documentary that they did about Collingwood in 218, you have even guys like Grundy and that saying, oh, previously all Buckley used to say was, oh, give me more, give me more. There was no actual strategy to anything. Mm. Um, he has and, not changed. And you think he's also reverted back to form too. Oh, it, it seems totally like he's reverted, reverted back, back to type. Yeah. I mean, part of that might be circumstance because COVID's forced him to cut uh, staffing and all that. Like previously they had 26 coaches. So maybe Buckley now is doing a lot more than he previously used to do but the the, the results are on the fucking field i yeah. i and you, and you, you go on sorry i, just, I was I, gonna I, say I, I don't care if we lose if i see we're building something i can't see what that methodology is doing other than smothering the instinct and life out of players and possibly damaging them long term so as exciting as trent bianco looks now what what's he going to look like in two years if you keep everything as it is. Yeah. I mean, it's the same with lots of um, Poulter and McCreary and stuff is, is that you just, you love what you see now. You want to see them use that as a base to grow from, not become second guessing dour stop and prop kickers. 
And, and the guy always uses a template. Take the they, game on. Yeah. The guy who uses the template is Jared Blair. In two, Tan, he only played like a handful of games. But if you actually go back to those games, there's a lot of times he was balking, sidestepping. He was still doing team-oriented things, but he'd actually change it up. You know, 211, he kicked the most goals he ever has for Collingwood. You know, he played for another five years or something. But again, he played very instinctively. He was happy to take players on and all that sort of stuff. Um, under Buckley, he gradually lost that and just became this drone who was always trying to square it up until everyone sort of going, what's he bring to the team? And that's what people are saying about Callum Brown. What's he bring to the team? And what, what players a, bring... I just a pattern. Just, yeah, just what players bring to any team is their fucking individuality. That's what makes teams mm. special. Y'all got to play as part of the team, but... You have to have individual brilliance or individual character that complements your team. So, you know, you go to someone like Richmond, look at Dusty. I mean, fucking Richmond's great because Dusty is Dusty, not because Dusty is playing like some senseless drone. Dane Swan's another really good example. I don't think he was ever really the same under Buckley that he was under Malthouse. He probably had a few good Anzac days, but a lot of times he just sort of seemed to lose that spark about his game. Mm. And I just think, you know... Leave him in charge. Leave him in charge, and you're gonna you're gonna really drill this out of other players. You're gonna smother the fuck out of them. Get someone in there who's got good experience developing um, younger players, and who's also a very good man manager. Who's someone who's actually hey, I don't give a fuck if you're a pisshead off the field. As long as you perform on the field, I'm not gonna speak to that as long as you're not disrupting anything within the team or the club or anything like that and you perform i'm gonna let you do what you do off field you know you you're very serious hey i'm gonna talk to you and spend hours with you just chatting with you because that's obviously what you someone who actually understands different people need different approaches rather than what we've got now which is just seems one approach for yourself if you don't like it we'll trade you to north melbourne for fucking very little yeah it's actually i mean you made me think of something that um was only a couple of weeks ago that swanee um tweeted about um oh is that uh you know when he turned up the training that time and he had uh, yeah. a little bit of alcohol in the breath and uh someone uh dobbed him in and he's he mentioned that a couple of weeks ago he's clearly still not over it i mean he plays it as a mirth card now but that, it's that thing where you know you clearly when you're a fucking gun you can do what you need to do as long as you perform in the field that's all that matters it's the team thing plus the individual fucking absolute superstars and, that make you a, a super quality team and the other guy too the drones I mean, I mean no one talks yeah. about the drones no well, one no I one remembers the drones I was going to say, I mean, the other guy too that I really think um, suffered in the Buckley side bottom. I, side bottom under oh, Malthouse definitely. would take the game on and, you know, he had a lot of... I remember when I saw him early in 209, I was thinking, geez, he reminds me of Robert Harvey, the way he runs through packs. You know, he's got like a... He had a shuffling sort of run and he just had this massive endurance and all that. Under Buckley, I think he's just lost all that. The only time I see him display any genuine instinct is in front of goal. And then he suddenly develops this temerity to go, you know, I'll walk you, I'll sidestep you, I'll spin or whatever. He doesn't generally do that in the midfield. So what's happened to him? Of all the players that you go back to that squad that Buckley inherited, of all the players inherited, the only one who's potentially enhanced his reputation is Pendlebury. Everyone else has either gone sideways or declined or left the club. Um, so that to me... When they left something. the club, they went sideways. 
or he left the club and became all Australian again at GWS. You know, I know there was players who left and they weren't happy with leaving. And, you know, look at someone like Dawes, whose body failed in at Melbourne. I think, well, fuck, you know, you as a 48 gamer, you were played as a ruck forward under Buckley. Jeez, there's a little wonder your body gave it up so bloody soon. Mm. So I, I just really think you need change because what's happening now isn't just about the lack of results. It's also about are you damaging these players for the future? Yep, totally and I know right. there'll be people going, oh, you're just overreacting. It's like, well, I think a lot of people are now starting to say this. Yep. Uh, our president, our little P president, Mark Corder wrote... Oh, what's he done? What's he done this week? Is he... Is he spoken he wrote this beautiful letter to the herald sun Did he? yeah can um, i um I, I haven't checked my email for a while um can i just quickly go and read it yeah go read it's it been, quickly. it's it's been emailed to me hasn't it uh i don't know it wasn't emailed to me um ah. well, where can i read this um this this beautiful piece of prose uh i can read part of it to you here it is now, the answer is it's behind a paywall, Spook. You oh. can't read it because as, as, as the little P president trying to speak to the masses, I'd go to the Herald Sun every day of the week and put it behind a fucking paywall on a piece of shit rag that no one reads. <laughs> Wouldn't you? I definitely are. Uh, <laughs> Wouldn't you fucking like that? You know, yeah. think I'll, you know, I want to spread my message to the, uh, to the, the paid up soaks that, that follow this club? I, no? I will. I will. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, you're right. Even though it should be there for mass consumption, it should just be there on their fucking website. It's not there, is it? No. Can I, I check? I I'll know, just check. quickly go and check. Fuck me, it's not there. What is going on with this club? I'll, I'll read some. Hang um, on. Is it in English or is it in Morse code or some indecipherable cryptography from the Second World War? It's in quarter speak. So I'll read little bits of it. I admire the white hot passion among Magpie fans. Are you quoting him directly there? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I embrace their right to forcefully debate team selection, coaching performances, recruiting decisions, and yes, board matters. Hang on, I embrace well, actually, their right. That's, that's, that's quite relevant because I was fucking bored um, on, on on Saturday. But the thing is, Sunday, I embrace their right to forcefully debate. So he's saying it's okay for you know, fans just to, among themselves to debate these things. Is that what he's saying? Or think you're debating is, with is, the club? Is he talking about a broad debate or a mass debate? <laughs> he's getting into mass debating. Um, but members should be wary of the politics associated with attempted coups. Uh, coups. There's that word again. I thought we cleaned this up a couple of weeks ago, Sly. Football banter will be replaced by damaging infighting that will threaten the essence of the Collingwood culture side by side. How good is that? He actually brought it out side by side. When that withers, the club withers too. Coups are not a house, good for football. A house clubs. divided against itself cannot stand, Sly. How good is this? How good is this fucking? Coups are not good for football clubs. Ask Eddie, <laughs> the guy who took over in a coup. It's not it's good. It's a bloodless coup, though. It's a, it's a big difference. There are other ways for members to vent their frustrations about the on-field and off-field performance of the club. Well, we've got Twitter already. <laughs> Call on Collingwood members and supporters to be part of the solution. Have a little patience and resist the temptation to support change for change's sake. <laughs> Seriously, so this is just change for change's sake. Check the credentials of your board members and ask yourself whether you really want to send their skills into exile. 
And <laughs> I do. What's the problem here? And you just la- answered answer my own question. This last bit here. Please, please, please don't take my presidency away. <laughs> did he? Did he do it like uh, like like the Smiths? Did he sing it like that? Um, that's, that's probably too broad. Let's move on. Yeah, I, that last line, mind that. What do you think of that? Um, I don't know, how do you describe that letter? Desperate. <laughs> I think the thing is, like, no matter which forum he talks in, he's reading from the one script. And like, how many times do we need to hear the same fucking sad story? That's how you know. You know, like, okay, when you have a relationship and you break up, and the other person doesn't want you to break up, that's what that letter sounds like. Oh, please don't give up on us. Give us another chance. It's not me. It's you. Oh, I know things are going badly. I can change. I can be better. I know I drink too much and I gamble, but things can be different. Ask Eddie. Just wait, just wait and see, Eddie. Eddie, ah, uh, a little pee. How, how good's that presidency? I mean, it's like ask Eddie. It's like fucking what? Why? Why? I think that's how, that's how he does the president's lunches now. When people ask questions, he says, "I don't know." Ask Eddie. He should just have a game show called Ask Eddie. <laughs> should just like we have a game show that? questions and just you know, hey, you can instead of a lifeline, you can just throw to Eddie. Who wants to ask Eddie? That'd be uh, that'd be a great show, wouldn't it? Everyone put their hand up now. Given what's going on with Quarter and um, the admin, uh, obviously David Hatley's petition was slowed down by COVID and the lockdown. He yeah, was... well played, Quarter. Well played. Yeah. So, do you think that um, Collingwood released COVID into the public for to stifle a petition? Well, they're certainly stifling something. They really want people's to... interest in football. If they really wanted to stifle the position, wouldn't they have given uh, oh, the petition? Sorry, if they really wanted to stifle that, wouldn't they have given David Hatley a position at full forward? <laughs> they said, just go yeah, there with your petition. You can either deliver your petition forward or take it to the side or send it backwards. The choice is yours, David, but I preferred to know where you're going to do it backwards. You know, it's um, Brisbane starting to hit their straps with Joe Danaher at full forward. Are they? Yeah, good on it. It's good that we got Jack Magnet foot forward. <laughs> do you think it's hard Sydney... to split the two? It's hard yeah. to split the two, really. Do you think Sydney Swans are going to try and poach him for ten years? Because Buddy's getting on, and they're probably looking at Jack Magnet going, "Oh, he could play ten years for, for Sydney for ten million dollars." If, <laughs> if we see a footy, if we see a footy card this come out this week with Magden growing a really bad moustache, he's on his way to Brisbane. Yeah. The club is in such a mess. So do you still advocate board change? Absolutely. I, don't, I haven't seen anything from the board in response to all this that, that, that screams anything other than desperation. I think they smell that they're in trouble and they're clutching at straws. I would really love if, like, say, half the board splintered off. So let's say uh, Peter Murphy... And Paul LeCuria and Jody Sizer. Although Jody Sizer had an article going, I don't know what people are complaining about. But if three of them just splintered off and just said, we're going to form a third party and we're going to challenge the boards because we don't like the way it went. And this is our vision for Collingwood. We're going to change the coach and we're going to do this and that. And, and they're going to lay down like a blueprint for the next five years and just say, this is what we want to do for Collingwood. I bet if they did like something like that, you'd get 
mass endorsement because I think the thing that the fans are really feeling the absence of is any fucking inkling about what they're going to do moving forward. Collingwood just sort of seems to be like, hey, I'll come next year. We'll make it up on the spot again. Yeah. No, every chance. No, but I think, you know, and this gets back to what we talked a little bit about the, um, last week. I mean, one of the things that, that almost needs to happen, but it can't probably happen until that EGM is, is, is more or less ratified, is there needs to be a presence that comes up and says, I'm standing for something different. And I think that's the thing that everybody's waiting in the wings to, to see. It's well and good to, to force an EGM, but there needs to be something on the other side and that visibility needs to start happening soon. And I think you'll start to see, I mean, um, I saw Caro interviewed on um, Channel 9 tonight and she was still adamant that Collingwood are going to wait till the Queen's birthday weekend to, to make a decision. And as it was pointed out, it's only a week and a bit away. It's close. I think if something is announced um, about Buckle's future, that could be also the catalyst for, for change at the top. Because I think the risk is, is, is if you force an EGM now and you dethrone um, uh, the little P and, and the offsiders, where does that leave Buckley's tenure? Who's making that decision on, on it? Do you make the incumbents protect him or do you, do you make them to, to make what they deem to be the popular decision or do you hand it off to the next group that's coming in? Uh, that's probably a, apart from the, I mean, actually probably to me, Buckle's future is, 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 is the, is the tandem man issue that needs to be dealt with and the board secondary at the moment, even though we're all making this about the board, um, a decision has to be made in that area for things to change and, and move forward. I actually think if, if quarter came out and said, Oh, you know, if they ha- if they got Buckley, to- actually, they don't even have to sack him because his contract expires at the end of this year. So, if they actually said to Buckley, we're not going to renew your contract, okay? So, we're happy for you to finish out the year, but if you don't want it, that's fine. Hmm. If the board did something like that and then said, okay, so Buckley's not going to be here next year, we are now embarking on a search for our next coach, and they actually showed the footballing public and their supporters, we are trying to address the future. We know this has just been up in the air. We're actually putting something in place to improve our fortunes going into the future. I think a lot of fans will go, well, maybe you fucking know what you're doing, Quarter. Maybe, you know, you are a man of action. Maybe you are an administration of action. Maybe we'll give you a chance now. The problem is they're just sort of sitting there. No one knows what the fuck is going on. And the thing is, is is if you... Um, thought that your board was the right board to go forward in the future and you didn't think you did anything wrong in the past, then put yourself up for scrutiny and go to, to an EGM and, and be re-elected. If you think you've got the numbers of the voters, then go out there and say, well, I don't fear this. I think we're doing a great job. Let's, let's, let's let the people speak and see what happens. Yeah, if that- that's not the case now, they're clearly worried about the fact that they're not going to survive this. Well, that letter really smacks of desperation. And Corder yep. um, might be a great guy. He might even be a great leader, but we haven't seen it. But the reality is everything he's shown us has been very timid and tiptoey. The moment he refers things back to Eddie, it's like, well, why do we need to ask him? You're the fucking person in charge now. Yeah, no, actually, I don't, I don't agree with that. Do you think we can ask Eddie to see what he thinks? We should probably ask Eddie. That's a good idea. Yeah. But it, it's... 
the biggest problem here is the vacuum. There's so many questions over so many different aspects of the club. And even before David Hatley came along with the petition, you had the Murphy court of presidency. So we didn't even know who the fuck the president was going to be going forward. And no. this aspect of like, well, hey, there's a joint presidency. That was just like, well, it's obviously a interim it's thing. Not, yeah. You know, so that's obviously all going to change. Coach's future has just been sitting there. I, I don't know if the admin's just sitting there waiting for him to cop a whack, like a 14-goal loss where they can then say, okay, fuck, now we can just do it and no one's going to complain about it. Um, but that whole inertia that the club's now immersed in just is giving everyone the sense of, does anyone know what the fuck is going on at this place? Hmm. It's fairly evident looking in, you know, from the outside looking in that that's the perception too. That nobody has a fucking idea? No, that's it. I mean, look, you've got that group that we talked about last week in social media that, you know, they're predominantly young. They probably don't know any better. This is all they've known of their Collingwood supporting life. Um, it's fearful to, to enact and then and, and change, even though change can be empowering and it can be uh, an opportunity for growth and, and development. They're not seeing that. It's their comfort zone that's being threatened here. Now, us old grizzled uh, has-beens, we know where the fish is rotting at the moment and me, we, we demand change. Let me ask you a hypothetical. A slight pathetical. A slight pathetical, as they were christened by. I can't remember who they were christened by. If Murphy had been or become president, do you think this speculation on the future would exist? Is it specifically Corder who's been the big, big issue here? I mean, again, look, we, we're not privy to the inside of um, of any boardroom, but looking at it objectively, Corder was Eddie's right hand man. Just ask Eddie. Um, he's been there fourteen years. He's a lot of the board that that's there now has overseen the last year or two of fuck ups. You can't deny that, and it's it's right for the supporter base to to lay blame squarely at their feet. You look at Murphy and you think, well, this is a guy that came in a couple of years ago. He did the assessment at the end of 2017 that, that triggered a lot of change. It's almost like his headspace is in the right place, that this club's just full of shit and try to do something about it. That you wonder whether that's not a bad avenue to actually have pursued over the, the little P. And you wonder, because you did this split thing, split presidency for how many months? It was, it was well, pretty much from the start of the year till yeah. about, about a month ago. Um, that that must have been some uh, balance of power stuff going on about um, who the board was going to support. And it must have been a line ball decision. You know, you're probably looking at one vote different to the other, even though he, he's convinced me that um, the board never voted on anything. It's all unanimous. Um, but yeah, it must have been a line ball quote. And it, it is an interesting thing about what would have actually happened if Murphy had stepped in. Do you think there's any possibility that Murphy recognised the next president was going to be a dead duck presidency. And so he withdrew, hypothetically, knowing quarter was doomed and would go to either an EGM yeah. or there'd be a ticket challenge. So it's a possibility. If, if, you, if you can look at an individual like that and, and anticipate what they're going to do and how they're going to be perceived, it's, it's a very smart tactical move. But I don't know. I don't know enough. Oh, we know nothing. Let's ask Eddie. That's a good idea. I'll get him on the phone. I'll get him on the... We should get an Eddie signal. Just project like a light into the sky of Eddie's silhouette. But in, in the, Ed, the Ed signal. Yeah, the Ed signal. We should have a bust on our desk that um, flashes and we flip the head back of Eddie and then we can talk to Commissioner Gordon. 
I do have that bust. <laughs> Moving forward, we're playing Adelaide, who's playing some good football at times. Who would have thought? Who would have Not thought? Me. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Jamie Elliott is slated to return for 15, 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> Grundy's out for two to three weeks, so we won't see him again this year. Tyler Brown is going to have a shoulder reconstruction. Is he? Oh, I didn't yeah. know that, in, in all honesty. When, when was that announced? Uh, that was announced a little bit earlier. So they're actually starting to put uh, players under the knife now. Oh, I think they live under the knife at Collingwood. And I don't know where Josh Thomas is. Uh, Scott Pendlebury is playing under a lot of pain. I empathize for Scott. We're, we're watching <laughs> under a lot of pain also. And I don't know who the hell will come up. Greenwood's still... I've, Greenwood's been out with the same concussion for about six weeks. So I think that pretty much spells the end of his career, unfortunately. If he's got a long-term concussion, he's probably, unfortunately, one of those players who's... He'll come back for a, He'll come back for a farewell game. Yeah, well, that'd be good. He's been a great servant of Collingwood. Yep. No argument there. And he's added like a lot of hardness and mongrel, which we dearly, dearly lack. Uh, so I don't really know anything about Adelaide other than they're playing some attractive football at times. I don't know. Are we playing over like. there? We're, yeah. we're not playing at the G this weekend, are we? No, we're not playing at the G. I are we playing we're... any games at Victoria? Fuck, who knows? Who knows what's going on anymore? Not I. Uh, yeah, so we're over there in the uh, in, in uh, Adelaide Park, the football oval. So the, your, uh, the ACG, yeah. we're playing at the ACG. So what's your tip? Um, Adelaide by um, 80 points. I'll go I have Adelaide. to be right one week. I'll go Adelaide, <laughs> 32 points. Uh, just before we go, rumours are Chris Scott to come to Collingwood. Would you take him? No. Wouldn't? No. Why is that? Oh, look, I think, you know, look, you look back at his career at North and uh, he got them to finals. No, no Chris Scott. Chris, the Geelong one. Is it, why would he leave? Don't know. Maybe they I can't fucking lie. Just seriously, I can't split the two Scots. It's like they're twins. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> so why would he leave Geelong? Maybe they're not giving him job security. Don't know. He's oh, been fuck there. off. He's got a job there for life. He's already planned his long service leave. You've got to think, he's been there since 2011. So he's been there one year longer than Buckley's been at Collingwood. Mm, no. No, thanks. Uh, well, actually, I mean, with, I don't know which of the Scots I'm talking about anymore, but it's all the same. They, they, they can get there. They can't complete the journey. And I think we've had enough of that at Collingwood. You know, Chris Scott won a flag against Collingwood. Yeah, oh, fuck, I could have won a flag with him that year. I said that earlier. They're on fucking autopilot, Geelong. Um, so you wouldn't take Chris Scott or Brad Scott? No. Would you take Scott Burns? I'd take Great Scott. Great uh, Scott. No, no, no. I'm done with this fucking ex-favourite son stuff. How about done. Scott Gumbleton? Who? Scott Gumbleton. No. Used to be a ruckman. No, I'm just, no. I'm just trying to... No, you're looking for Scots. Yeah, I'm just looking for Scots. What about Scott in the Antarctic? I don't know who that Scott is. What, what about Montgomery Scott? Would you have him in there? Oh, definitely. Uh, you could beat him all out somewhere. Um, uh, no, I, I still think it's it's fresh, new, innovative blood. But I don't think we'll settle at that at Collingwood. I, look, again, I, I couldn't even fucking begin to speculate because nobody's really putting their hands up. It's, it's like you've got to wait for the carcass to, to completely die before everyone's going to start picking at it. And that includes um, potential coaches. 
it's just fucking absolutely blind speculation at the moment. You don't even get an inkling of who's interested until um, they either buckle announces, oh, I'm fucking, I'm done here. Um, I've had a crack. Um, I really thought I had another 40 years left in me, but uh, not to be. Um, nothing's, no one's going to sort of put their hand up and express interest. It's just sort of like faux interest, which is probably fairly normal, but yeah, it, it's hard to, to understand who, who could step in at the moment. Who's the obvious candidate? Inexperience or inexperienced coach? Well, oh, I think at Collingwood, they just wouldn't want to be seen to, to be bringing in an inexperienced coach. And I saw it was Nathan like, Buckley. You're still hearing the, the um, oh, geez, I mean, wouldn't it be a uh, classic of, uh, oh, Ross Lyon would be the, the one. Um, who's the fucking knob who used to coach Sydney? What's his um, name? Paul Ruse. Paul Ruse, that, that one always crops up. Well, Harisha Lumumba said it, Paul. He spoke to Jeff Brown and that was it. Yeah, and, and any shot of me without a head on it's uh, conclusive evidence of that. Um, no, Ruse, obviously, uh, it, that's the, the common go-to one. Does he do the, he likes to come in there and, and, and coach the, uh, the transition stuff. I'll just come in here and have a crack at it and, and put someone in. I think I can make a career of this. Um, I don't think he's anywhere near capable of coaching anymore what's he do is he, is he in the media still uh, he's appearing on footy close side a couple of times i really like him as a football analyst but i really don't like him as a prospective coach i, I think his record is a little bit flattering because he broke a 115 year drought at um sydney and he helped rebuild their culture but i mean if you look at melbourne you know people go hey oh, you rebuilt melbourne when he was at melbourne that was the one of the think one of the few teams to lose to Essendon's under 16 teams in that year that Essendon had all the players suspended and he left Melbourne and then what they do I mean I think I can't remember the exact order but you know they made a prelim in 218 and then for the last two years they've done absolutely fucking nothing and it's like well what's really changed at Melbourne you know well, they've, they'll, they've they'll skyrocketed this year well, they'll probably year. win the flag this year and credit it all to Ruse you know and, and it's like well, he set this in motion Sly well uh Mark Williams is getting a lot of credit for, you know, their skyrocket up the ladder. But I'm just sort of saying, yeah. you know, regardless of what Ruse did at Melbourne, at the time, after he left, they were just still the same on Melbourne. They look great sometimes. They look terrible, you know. So I question his contribution to Melbourne. It feels like he was more there as a... Um, just to give Simon Goodwin an apprenticeship with a senior figure over his head. But in terms of yeah, how great is his coaching? Well, I don't know. You know, when he was coach of Sydney, he was playing this style of football that everyone was fucking criticising. Do we really want more of that at Collingwood also? Yeah, I don't know. You look back to, um, and I don't want to keep going back over a dead old flogged horse or anything like that. But when you look at when they um, got Malthouse across from West Coast, it was probably the most aggressive thing Collingwood's done in coaching for years. They need to do that again. Go out there and just fuck someone over and, and get who you want. Don't care how much it costs. Get the right person in. That would be good. But who would that be of the 17 other coaches? Would you go for someone like Hardwick? Uh, no. No. No, I still think um, my gut still feels that Sammy Mitchell's the one that I'd be throwing everything at. Um, I know he's tried and untested and, and not had a lot of experience, but when he talks, he's, he's quite impressive. The other one that actually impresses me that I've been listening to a little bit on um, SEN is, is Lepic. 
that would be my left field selection. I actually think someone who's been through it and failed and not necessarily failed through um, any responsibility of his, they were a fucking basket case at that stage, Brisbane, but he seems to have a really good grasp and speaks well, but that's not to say he's like a great fucking tactical coach or anything like that, but he's one that I probably would, would interview. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, who else speaks well? Um, yeah, sounds, Buckle. Buckles. Yeah. Well, I heard um, someone on some footy show that I saw on Twitter said he's the next Alistair Clarkson. Oh, Ben Dixon said that years ago that, that um, you know, he, he taught like Alistair Clarkson, but I think he was pulled up on it and he said, well, you know, I don't know if he can actually translate his football knowledge to football strategy. And it's like, well, that would probably be a big requirement of this job. So <laughs> I, I, look, I, I don't know what goes on with the coaching interviews and they get, you know, the coaches, the prospective coaches in, but obviously they, one of the questions is where do you see our list of standing? But the other question I'd be asking is why are you going to be the coach who's going to win the next flag for Collingwood? What are you going to bring to the game? And I always say yep. it's like the, the, the coaches who win flags are ones who are innovators and change the game in some way. It doesn't have to be in a significant way, but they, you know, they do change it in some way and they have a specific style. Now Buckley's chip, chip, chip sideways and all that sort of stuff. Okay, mate, you've proven, you've got nine years of proof. It's not a great game plan and it's not going to win a flag. So you need someone who's going to come in and go, well, this is how I believe the game's going to go. And the one thing, you know, what really disappoints me. And I'd probably say this, like, you know, you know, it really disappoints me. I probably qualify that like, you know, to about 28 different statements. The thing that really disappoints me with, with Buckley when he came in is if I was him when he came in after that Geelong grand final loss, I would have said to the, to the recruiting staff, do not give me a single player under five foot 10 unless they run like Usain Bolt or have insane skills. Don't give me a you, single Usain player. skills. Usain yeah. skills. Don't give me, because the game is always about players getting bigger and stronger. So smaller yep. players are going to get outbodied. We saw that in the 211 grand final as the game wore on. So don't give me any light players. Don't give me any small players unless they have a specific skill where they're going to be able to build a whole career on that, whether that's pace and X factor, like someone like Boomer Harvey, um, yep. you know, at, at the Bulldogs, Caleb Daniel, beautiful kick, but otherwise don't give me anyone. And what they do, you know, they went and got Ben Kennedy and Tim Brunehead, who are two small and slight players. And that was in the period they were trying to rebuild. Um, Nathan Freeman was sort of like, uh, uh, he seemed like a smaller player. So I would have thought that yeah. Buckley would have said, hey, let's build a side of giants who can play the game and they will dominate clearances, which is, and the thing is that's the, a lot of his game plan is just win the contested ball. He always, he always brings out that stat. Oh, we want to contest the ball, but oh, we didn't win enough to contest the ball. If you only want to contest the ball, go get fucking four people the size of Patrick Cripps around the ball. And you're going to have a lot better chance rather than guys who are small and slight, mm. but either he didn't have the foresight to say that, or um, he did, and they shut him down. But I don't know. But that's you know that's part of the recruiting issues that have fallen under it during his tenure, not because of anything he's done, but just simply because that's Collingwood. Hmm. Final thoughts? Um, I don't know. I'm exhausted. I don't have any. Do you okay. any any final thoughts? Oh. Um, please let us out of our homes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hope you enjoy, though, um, to our listener, 
um, the podcast for the rent. There's every fucking chance we'll be doing this for a couple more weeks. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. But, you know, stay strong, get through it. I find it a lot harder to get through watching Collingwood for two hours. That's it. That's, that's, that's a worse kind of lockdown. I, um, you had the, the Facebook status update. I've seen some shit games and this, it's, this is all of them. <laughs> and that pretty much fucking summed it up. It was serious. And, and like I said, the great thing, like I said earlier, is a lot of people are now starting to criticize Collingwood. Yeah. They're starting to see that, hey, there's an issue here. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you can't do too many more of that type of game for the rest of the year. It's just not going to wear it well with the with the masses. Well, Hopefully, the club the club fucking surely is saying that. Surely. Hopefully, but I don't know. Are we a smart club? I've heard we're a pretty no. stupid club. I've heard we're more. We're a moron club. We're more a moron club. Bloated, stupid. <laughs> Anyway, that is it from us for this week. Um, that is it from us as well. Yep. And, you know, the drill, subscribe, like, all that sort of stuff. Click and hill abuse. Sorry, what was it last one? Click and hill abuse. Don't hill abuse. I don't take abuse. Well, I'll, I'll come find and you. And take abuse much longer. Uh, no, no one's abused it so far. They've all been loving and wonderful. They haven't abused you. They're all abusing me. They see you That's because you're always right. They, they see you as the sweet, lovable rug. And it's just like, oh. Yeah. It's yeah. like a, a, a stupid puppy. <laughs> they're all fucking, they're all dog. I love dogs, but they're all stupid. You know, whenever you see them do like cute things on YouTube, it's because they're being stupid. But they're all morons. They're moron dogs. <laughs> they are. They're, they're just stupid. They're morons. <laughs> anyway, that's it from us. We'll yep. see you later. Catch you on the flip side, yo.